But going back to it, like you're not going to be a dummy making 9.2. So I'm really, I want to know about this Chris Ray guy because you're making 9.2, you drop it, you're, you get your job by Trump, recommended by Christie, you know, and now Christie's flipped, obviously. And yesterday I saw the funniest meme that said Chris Christie should run. Uh, in, all the time. In but he just should <laughs> run all the time. <laughs> not for president. Hilarious. So going back to it, this guy's not a dummy. No, I, I mean, he's, he's obviously an educated guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if you go back a few months, he's taking that trip to the World Economic Forum now. Okay. And he wasn't getting that and with his, his $9 million Who cares, though? And what I mean, by the way, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a World Economic Forum guy. Not a fan of Klaus Schwab. Can't stand ESGD, ICI, Corporate Equity, Equality Index. I'm not a fan of HRC, Human Rights Committee. I'm not a fan of Open Society Foundation. So this is not an endorsement of that. But okay, if you are going to be the director of CIA, you're probably going to go to World Economic Forum. You're probably going to go to a lot of these weird meetings. So what? Why give up that 9.2 million and you get the job by Trump? Like, th- let me let me kind of put it this way: uh, uh, when when whenever a CEO, Trump is a CEO, whenever a CEO is hiring a C-suite, a director of FBI is a C-suite. I think there's got to be a more thorough investigation into assigning that job to somebody rather than that. You like that guy? Put him in, right? So to me, you know, if the other side also says, hey, man, so why did you give him the job? You had other options. You had other people to look at. So if he did, Trump's not a, a person that doesn't have experience doing this. He's hired tens of thousands of people over his career, not low paying jobs, million dollar salary, half a million dollar salary. Why does a Trump, who's a shrewd businessman that's a street guy, he's sat with the toughest of the toughest, done the biggest of deals, why does he pick him? And if he did, he must have seen something in this guy, no? Well, he had that interview, I believe, about a month ago where he was asked specifically that. And he said that. that it was recommended to him, and he wanted somebody that was going to be acceptable to both Republicans and Democrats. And, and, and that was really what his thinking on it was. I think he, he took recommendations from people who he trusted on it. Uh, but I think then the question is, 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 is it a Trump issue or is it a Christopher Ray issue? Uh, I think Christopher Ray took the, the posting because it allows him to have access to, to the seat of power and, and maybe financially fed himself later on. But it ultimately boils down to he is now in a position to uh, impact our country that he wasn't going to have that opportunity at working as Listen, a I mean, it, there are a few jobs that are powerful jobs. That's definitely one of them. So if somebody calls you and says, listen, we're thinking about offering you the director of CIA job, you have to consider that. That's not a lightweight job. That's a job that comes with a lot of different, uh, 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 you know, director of FBI, FBI. You know, it comes with a lot of different responsibilities, but also at the same time, you're in the thick of things. Like, you know what's going on. You're one of the you know, 50 most powerful men in America that's making these types of decisions. So I get why he would entertain that. I think this is the clip you were talking about, if you want to play this clip about Chris Ray and Trump. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. Uh, Why is looking for corruption, weaponization. Rob was watching a movie on Netflix on the background, (laughs) so we just interrupt. Rob, apologies from our behalf, please. It's all right. We messed the entire thing up with the movie he was watching. (laughs) about Sorry. things that they are doing that are wrong. That's not it. There it is again. That's well, right, Pat, while he's looking for that, yeah. how That's would Jared you, doing his Pat, thing. Pat, yeah. what would make you, as a business guy, and you're making $9 million a year for yeah. this, what would make you give up being almost a $100 million man to do that? Oh, you, you definitely would do it. You definitely do it. <laughs> to the, be that, just the power? The responsibility of a man is to do the following. If you're a true American, number one, make your money. Mm-hmm. Number two, protect your wife and your kids. Set aside money for her and them. Where they're taken care of. Number three, take care of yourself financially. Number four, give back to the country, the country that gave you this incredible life. Public service comes in many different ways. One is church, one is military, one is nonprofit, one is government. You pick and choose which one you want to do. So I totally understand why he would say yes to that. Life is not just about making the 9.2 every single year. This is a heavy weight job, and there's almost a duty. When you get a call from the top, especially president, offering you a job, whether you like it or not, you you have to really take it for consideration because 
It's it's a it's a listen. You get a call from the top saying, "Hey, you got orders. You're going to Camp Casey. I'm going. You got orders. You're going to Afghanistan. I'm going. You're a coward if you don't take it. Of right? Course. There's an element of that. So there, there's there's some of it that's public service. But do you think it was any of it was kind of nefarious? Where he's like, "Okay, I'm going to get in, and now got." You. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. All I know is, it, look, if, if Rob, if you can figure out if you got that clip to go back to it, if it's still messing up, don't worry about it. But before you even play this clip, if you can do me a favor, go to Statista with the report I just sent you with the trust American people have in the FBI. This is just from 2019 to 2022, okay? Blue is Democrats to have the same amount of trust in FBI as they did in 2019 as they do today. <laughs> uh, dark uh, uh, Navy blue is overall is down from 57 to 44. Independents are down from 48 to 41. That's down seven. And then Republicans are down 46 to 26, down 20. So Democrats obviously love what the FBI is doing because they're targeting the guys that they hate the most. By the way, there's nothing about this that's a Fox News poll. This is Statista. There is nothing about this that's emotional. Now, if you go to the other statistic that I sent you with, with it since 1985, I don't know if you have that one as well. That blue line? You know what that, that blue line means? What? That blue, that, that's, everybody still wears a mask on that blue line. I just want you guys to know that. That blue line, everybody's still wearing a mask. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> I think it's a problem when it's a hundred percent your political party over the country. Yeah. Like yeah. to me, I'm sitting here asking questions about Chris. He's a Republican, Trump. And I'm like, what? You can't just say, oh, it's all, everybody on the other side is fault. No, there's some decisions that respond. I text it to you, Rob. You have it. Go to your text. You don't need to look for it. It, it won't load. Oh, it won't. Okay, then no. don't worry about it. And then go to the video. Go to the video. I'll try to send you a different link with that. Let's see what Trump had to say about hiring Chris Ray. You happy with Chris Ray? But just so you understand. I put Chris Ray in because I wanted to have somebody in there that everybody, including the other side, really wanted. It may not have been the right move. Let's see. Time will tell, okay? But I wanted to have somebody in the FBI because I'm an honorable guy. I'm an honest guy. I may have made a mistake, but I put somebody in that the other side, everybody agreed to. You know who recommended him to me? Chris Christie. Okay, he recommended him. And that's okay. I don't mind that. I've taken Chris Christie's recommendations before. Uh, and other people wanted Christopher Ray, And people from the other side wanted Christopher Ray. But, but now and Jim I Jordan think is investigating. You have yeah, so I remember. I remember How recent that. was that This interview? is not too long ago. No, this is like a, uh, this March. has got to be like a couple months ago, right? What March is it? March of 2023. There you go. Yeah, this is a couple months ago from saying that. Yeah, so uh, for me, going back to it, saying, well, Chris Ray this, Chris Ray that, I, I got a follow-up question for you here uh, that has to do with the public. You were kind of going through with the question is, uh, we the people, right, with, with where we're at, at what point do you see, like, you know how uh, uh, the government is ran, you got the president, and then the governors get to decide how they handle COVID. We're going to shut it down in California and non-essential, essential. Floor's like, no, no, no. We're opening schools. We're opening this. Hey, here's what we're going to do in South Dakota. But here's what we're doing in Illinois. Michigan, shut it down. New York, this is what we're doing. But this is what we're doing in Tennessee. And this is what we're doing in Texas. Okay? So the states kind of get a chance to make their decisions for themselves. Is the FBI really going to let offices work cases rather than D.C.'s HQ controlling it? I mean, is it time, like, for the FBI to roll up into the DHS, or is it time to kind of just, you know, disband them and move move on? What do you think they need to be doing, and will they do that? Will they allow, you know, different markets to kind of do their jobs without saying, no, we're going to step over you, and here's what we need to do? I don't know that they'll allow it. The, the FBI has, ever since Hoover, really, they've grown into this entity that, even within the DOJ, they, they basically are in charge of themselves. They always essentially have been, and they will hold on to that power as, as long and as much as they can. And I think part of the issue with Ray might be he was a DOJ guy before his lavish career as an attorney. That's another problem, I think, with uh, the FBI and the DOJ is the FBI directors continue to come from DOJ. And so now you have like this, um, it, it's basically like this intercession where the head of the FBI was a DOJ guy. I think that's problematic because that that limits the checks and balances potentially. But overall, I, the FBI doing the right thing and giving up some of that control, I don't see it happening. And I don't know if there's enough. Well, look at what's happening in Congress right now with this source reporting. The FBI just literally does whatever they want. So I don't I don't know if there's an entity that could even make them break up uh, and and limit some of the power and control that they have and cede it over to DHS or somewhere else. But 
Maybe. That, that would be my fear about we're going to massively reform the FBI because they would be clinging on to the power that they have. Now, as far as being regional with the way that uh, cases are investigated, uh, they are done to a certain extent that way now. And you have a case, you, know, you have the office in El Paso. They're going to have a lot more drug trafficking and border-related activity just geographically than Omaha, Nebraska. So they're able to sort of drill down on what they want. Now, what I would like to see happen is uh, – I want to pare back the domestic intelligence collection, and maybe we could model something after the way that the U.K. does their law enforcement. Because currently having a law enforcement slash domestic intelligence agency, that's the stuff of the Stasi and the KGB. That's secret police stuff. If you go to the U.K., they have MI5. That's domestic intelligence, um, and we can debate whether or not how what the extent of what the powers they have. But they don't have guns. They don't have the enforcement power. All they can do is bring that intelligence over to Scotland Yard and make recommendations and, and assist them in their law enforcement. And, and then Scotland Yard can use their discretion as far as bringing criminal charges. If you did something like that, that might be something that, that, that could be debated. Um, as far as the nuts and bolts of operating, the FBI only has 14,000 agents. The majority of the work is not done in the big cities. It's done in the resident agencies that, like Wichita, Kansas, in my Daytona Beach or Sioux City, Iowa, where I worked. Uh, those cases are brought in by these small offices that liaise with local law enforcement. It's impossible to do the work of federal law enforcement without assistance from your local partners. In Daytona, we had eight agents for an area and then encompassed one million people. Hmm. Can't police that with eight people. You have to rely on your sheriff's offices, your police departments, and there's nothing – the 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 task force officer deputization process that goes on where essentially you bring guys in, the FBI pays their overtime and deputizes them as U.S. Marshals, gives them federal arrest authority in addition to their state arrest authority. They bring in the local knowledge and the local cases that say, hey, that would be great. Could we bring some Fed charges against this organization or this, this occurrence that happened in my community? And that's what the FBI should be there for, to assist the locals because they know where the usual suspects are. The FBI is just nerds that are sitting in an office for the most part. That's, that's a chart right there, by the way. So, so we just learned nerds. that FBI agents are nerds, but uh, we, we, <laughs> very, probably the biggest reveal today. So this is a public trust in the government from uh, 58 to 2022. And if you look at that, from Eisenhower, Kennedy, say flat, a little bit higher. And Eisenhower, you know, warned about military industrial complex. Kennedy comes in. They definitely don't like the Kennedys with what they have going on. And then, boom, he's out. Then Johnson comes in. He loves power and control, so that goes down. Nixon comes in. Trust goes down. Obviously, Watergate, all of that. Mm -hmm. Ford comes in flat. Carter comes in down. Reagan comes in. He increases the trust in the government during that eight-year. Bush comes in, goes down. Clinton comes in, increases. Bush comes in down. Uh, Obama comes in flat line. Trump comes in. He increases it. Now Biden's in here. And you don't have the 2022. The, to, this is uh, uh, the number I give you was one showing how dramatically it's dropped the last three years. Uh, uh, the other one that we were looking at, which kind of shows a completely different perspective. So when you see this, you know, it, the closest uh, 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 institution that I can see as a case study to the FBI is the mob. And in the mob, there's something called omerta. Omerta is when you... Uh, uh, you never share what's going on on the inside. You essentially don't whistleblow in the mob. And if you do X, Y, Z, they're going to come after you and all this stuff, right? So there's a threat of never uh, one of the code of honors of importance is not coming out. Silence in the face of questioning by authorities or outsiders and non-cooperation with authorities, the government or outsiders, especially during criminal investigations and willfully ignoring and generally avoiding interference. With it. I mean, this sounds like Hillary Clinton when she was being held... <laughs> You know, when she yeah. would not answer anything. Yeah, yeah no, no, nope. I play no, 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 nope. no, right. And, and when Comey's going through all this stuff, 33,000 emails, it's, what's the big deal? Yeah. What's the what's the big deal? You delete emails all the time. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between she broke her computer? Maybe she was pissed off at Bill. What does that have to do with you? <laughs> Anyways, they were talking about yoga pants, right? Obviously, that's yeah, what the emails were exactly. all about. She wiped it with a rag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. sweetheart, yeah. right? Yeah. But, but here's the part. Is there an Omerta model in the FBI where, hey, guys, whatever we're doing, there's one thing you can't ever do as an FBI agent. You can never whistleblow. And then behind closed doors, you're being trashed to say you guys can never trust them because they whistleblow if you talk to them. Just assume they're recording the conversation. Just assume they're going to say this. Is there that kind of a vibe and, and, and energy in the FBI as well or no? Tell them about the training, the new training. Huh. Yes, there is that vibe for sure. 
and you got to tell him about your ASAC <laughs> and what he said to you. But every year, every federal employee has to have it's mandatory by government uh, whistleblower training every single year and insider threat training every single year. And my whole time in in the FBI, they were always separate. This year, we found out because thankfully there are still some good people in the FBI uh, that that training was merged into one. So the FBI didn't even they didn't even say, you know, whistleblowing is good and you can do it like they used to. They used to say, yeah, it's protected. Uh, now they combine those trainings overtly saying whistleblowers are insider threats. I mean, that wow. was the takeaway from mm -hmm. the people we know in the agency who took that training. That slide deck was released to the public so we can go see it. It's online. And it's like, OK, so the FBI is not even trying to hide the fact that they will retaliate against you. And I think that's government wide. Look what's happening with the IRS whistleblower and his squad right now. But the FBI has a culture. They have had a culture since Hoover's era of FBI first, no matter what. And if you go against the FBI, I can see that we're, we're coming for you. Well, I applaud you guys for speaking truth to power. Right. You're shining light on justice. Uh, there's a lot of people that probably do not want you talking whatsoever. Uh, who would you say is at the top of that list? What names, what people, what institutions are like, Garrett, friend, get these guys, silence these guys, muzzle them right now. Who's at the top of that list? I, th I think the DNC as a whole, we, we were you know, in-person recipients of that uh, at that hearing. The things they were saying, the way they were twisting things and lying about us and about our whistleblower status and comparing us to people who committed espionage and whatever else. And then uh, I think the mainstream media as well, because they're lackeys of the political elite and the political elite are typically on the left. And so uh, my deposition that I went to in February really stands out for me because I was led to believe, just like I was with my transfer, I was led to believe in good, and I, I accepted both in good faith that everything was kosher. So I go to my deposition, couple weeks later, I get a call from my attorney and he says, hey, buddy, I got I got some bad news uh, for you. I, I got a call from CNN and they have your name and they have some information about your deposition. I was told, don't talk about this deposition unless it's with a privileged party. And so I left that deposition thinking like, I, you know, hopefully they will investigate this. And I told them there to the Democrat attorneys as well who sat in on the deposition because that's what I agreed to do because it's not a partisan issue or it should not be a partisan issue. But we're seeing that it clearly is. It's a right or wrong issue. It's like, bro, you have a soul. You 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 want to just be a good person. You're a Christian, and it's like, bro, I'm we talked about this many podcasts. Evil right now. I don't care what anybody thinks out there. Evil is winning so hard, and it's embedded in our government, the governments of the world. And I feel like it's we need people like you, but their their power is so freaking yep. strong. They've all they've all sold their souls to the devil, yep. and the price is not cheap, bro. Right. They got to hold up that bargain. Who else would you put on the list? You got the DNC, you got the mainstream media, obviously the FBI. Um, okay, yeah, exactly. the FBI as a whole, the Ray, certain uh, bureaucrats, this, every other agent, SCS level, yeah, at least, or HQ as a whole, most likely. Okay, who would you say? Yeah, I would I would agree that the executive levels, and also at the Department of Justice too. Um, and uh, it, that even goes down to the the management structure, uh, even ASAC level. Uh, so assistant special agents in charge that are still on the GS scale because they are climbers. Mm -hmm. Don't ruin my gig mm -hmm. for me. So um, I'll name check Colt Markovsky and Sean Ryan as the ASACs who sat in the office for me. And when Colt Markov, when I said to him that I took an oath to protect the Constitution. And he responded back to me, you have a duty to the FBI. Mm -hmm. That was just a watershed moment yeah. for me. I, When I took my oath, I swore that oath in front of God and my family and people who sat around me who I thought were my friends. Mm -hmm. How uncomfortable is it to actually name names? At this point, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't pee on him if he was on fire. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Here's, here's my question to both of you, since you guys, you know, were in the FBI. Uh, do you think because you guys have come out and you're doing this, are they monitoring you guys? Are they, do you think, is there a possibility? Because you guys would know of anybody. Are they, are they doing what they phone? actually do for a yeah, living? Yeah. Yes. Are they tapping you guys? <laughs> are, they monitor, are they making sure you guys don't go, I mean, I don't know the depths of how, how much, I'm pretty sure you guys have information, but you think they're watching you guys? I, I, I don't know for sure, but the day I got suspended, I had a very odd thing happen with my phone while I was talking to an attorney. And it, it basically cut out. 
and then I couldn't get back in touch with him and I was getting an automated message. Mm-hmm. And, and once I did get back in touch with him and this guy, this attorney, he's a retired FBI agent as also. And I said, Hey, uh, I explained to him what happened and he goes, Oh yeah, they, they probably tapped your phone. Oh, Who do you think's watching this right now? Uh, headquarters, right? Security division yeah. definitely Security is. Yeah. I know that, that for a fact. I did an interview with them, and they were very tongue-in-cheek about, oh, we were big fans of that podcast you did. I was like, I'm glad you gave oh. Did you give him a like? Okay. Um, yeah, I, guys, but, quick reminder. Uh, like, subscribe to PBD <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leave a five-star review. Yeah. yeah. Going back to what you were saying when I asked the question about uh, the Omerta, the code, and they trained you. It's FBI about this. You said, you know, you got to tell your story. What was the one story? You, you wanted to share. That, that was the, the, he said, my, my duty was to the FBI and not, not to the Constitution. Do you have the clip about, you know, uh, uh, where uh, I believe it's, um, I want to say, which one is it where it says they will destroy you, they will crush you and your family? I think you have the clip. If you can play this clip uh, 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 on, yeah, it's that one right there. Uh, this is, um, here, is this, this is you talking in this one. Yeah, that's you. Just play the whole clip. I want the whole thing. We have a 20-second one, but play this one. All of the hardships you've gone through. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up, and I think the American people need to know about it, what advice would you give them? I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them, or I could put them in touch with Congress but I would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done? Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I mean, that's pretty powerful. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. So, so you would tell them not to. So now if you go back a year ago and you're having that conversation with your wife, whatever the timeline is when you, when you, you wouldn't have done what you've done already? Uh, I'm not saying uh, if I had a crystal ball, I don't know, because how, how do you sleep at night then? And, you know, I have four little girl, girls now. Back then we had three. And... I had a conversation with my ASAC at one point, and he was trying to walk me off the ledge a little bit. And I think he was he was he was acting like me doing the wrong thing, so just towing the line um, was caring for my family. I think that that's cowardice. And in the Book of Revelation, it, it tells us that cowards will be judged uh, when when they sit before the Lord and. How could I then, as a man, raise my daughters to be women of integrity and to do the right thing even when it's hard if I wasn't willing to do it? So I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it, but uh, you know, the congressman asked me if one of my really good friends came to me with that information. Not only would I do what I answered for a friend, I would do it for somebody that I don't know in the FBI if, if they were, were too un, unwilling or too afraid to do it, but they knew that they had something that needed to be brought forward. Um, I made that, I made my oath many times, twice in the Army, once when I reenlisted um, as a police officer, as an FBI agent, I meant it, and I, w- I was willing to stand in the breach. I'm in the breach now, so bring it to me. That, I'm, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that, and we will get it to Congress or whistleblower attorneys or wherever it needs to go uh, because the American people need to know this stuff. Yeah, there's no question about it that we need to know this stuff, but, it, you know, it, it ruins lives, man, yeah. meaning people like you. It ruins your life. And, you know, Sylvia Garcia, I think, was a congresswoman from California, was trying to say, you're not a whistleblower, you're not a whistleblower, you're not a whistleblower. And I think Debbie... Wasserman, who comes across as a total sweetheart from uh, <laughs> Florida. Very good hair. You know, yeah. she was talking about how this whole thing is about the book and you're doing, you know, just the book. And then another lady comes out and says, you know, I cannot believe what you guys are doing. This is defunding the police on steroids. Uh, she was the one from U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, uh, Blasket. 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 Yeah, when she said that. So you, you see this stuff. 
obviously, this is the part of discrediting, right? Defund, which was phase one, we're suspending you with pay, right? If they're suspending you, you're not getting paid. No, no. No. And then 7,500, which, by the way, strategically, it's the dumbest thing to do. If you want somebody to go away and not... Typically, what would happen in business is, here's a severance package, sign this defamation, hold harmless, and move on. They do the opposite. So these guys would be terrible in business. <laughs> they're, they're dummies if they're not doing this. The way to do this is, to, listen, we're going to give you one year this. Good luck to you. We're sorry it didn't work out. Wish you nothing but the best. But no, they cornered you where you had to do this and come out and talk about it. So also, you know, running an organization is not a wise thing uh, that they're doing. The other thing I want to play, if you can play James Comey here, he was being interviewed this week, and a question is being asked. And by the way, this is a guy that loved being interviewed a lot. Oh when his God. book came out, he was everywhere, right? <laughs> Comey, Comey, Comey. And then all of a sudden, he's disappeared a little bit, you know? And But uh, this was a interview that was done, what? Is this like a few days ago, a couple of days ago? I don't know what the exact date on this is. It's not too... too uh, uh, this could have been a couple of days ago. If you just play it, see what he says here. Really honest, honest, loving guy, too. Yeah. So People truthful. in law enforcement, which matters. So as for the Durham report, 300 pages, four years investigating the investigators. One of the things that did come out of it was that procedures, regular FBI procedures were ignored, that steps were, were missed along the way in this investigation. In fact, Director Ray said when the report came out, yeah, we acknowledged that a couple of years ago and we've changed all that. Those changes are already in place. Do you acknowledge perhaps that some mistakes were made along the way? Oh, definitely. And they were found four years ago by the inspector general. So there's nothing new in this new document. What were some of those mistakes from your point of view? Oh, that the FBI didn't communicate clearly the status of certain sources. They didn't double check certain information before putting it in a court application for a foreign intelligence wiretap and a bunch of others. And so do you believe now, as these, some of these politicians call for defunding of the FBI, that that has been corrected and that now the procedures are in place to avoid those kind of mistakes in the future? I think so. But in complex investigations, there's always going to be mistakes. It doesn't mean the FBI is incompetent, honest, and independent. So, Director, with some distance mean now the FBI from your time there what? with that honest, incompetent, and independent. independent. This is your former boss. How do you feel about what your former boss is saying here? Well, he's doing the same thing that uh, that the FBI did after the initial release of the Durham report. It's that moveon.org move where this is old news. This, this is already addressed four years ago. We can't tell you how we did it, but but we did it. And again, back to his College of Cardinals mindset of I'm beyond all ethical reproach or questioning in anything. that I, There's no personal accountability there. He never says, yeah, I messed up. He never takes uh, any sort of responsibility for something like, I'm going to direct agents to go and talk to Mike Flynn because I hope that he lacks candor and we can charge him with a process crime. And I'm going to brag about it openly. Isn't that the player's code? You know, like guys, you know, uh, when you're a player and you have a lot of girlfriends and you're coming up, you know, the code is you can never say you did anything wrong. It's like, <laughs> hey, you didn't do this. So if James Comey was a guy that he shows a lot of signs of a player you know, playboy type of a guy that play he, on, I, play I, 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 yeah. So he, I feel like he listens to a lot of R and B and hip hop. He just kind of seems like that kind of a guy. But going back to it, so for him, yeah, it's not a big deal. So you know, it's 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 not not a big deal. We've addressed it. We've gotten better. It's cool. Is it is it the mindset of never ever admit and just kind of be casual and cool about it and move on, or is it more a you know cultural thing of the FBI or just him? That's doing this. I think it's the culture of the FBI, Same. and he just okay. embodied it. I mean, yeah. you just you the reputation for the FBI is everything to it. Protect the shield at all cost. When uh, when I was accused of making this recording of my meeting with my ASACs, which I did, I was asked about it in in my uh, interview, my compelled interview, which I was not allowed to have an attorney actually assist me with. Just sit there and watch. They tried to get me to lack candor so they could charge me and do a search warrant and arrest me. Um, I had said, yes, I, I created that. The natural follow-up for anybody, and these are FBI agents who are, who are asking me these questions, is can we get a copy of that? Because I was making some rather huge uh, <laughs> revelations to them that I was being possibly compelled to do something that I felt was a civil rights violation. They never asked for a copy, which means they have a copy 
as I suspected, my ASACs recorded the conversation as well. And they were not worried about what they, those guys told me. They were just worried about the exposure. Reputation is everything. But by the way, can you look at uh, Yelp to see what their uh, online reviews are for FBI? Like, how many positive reviews? Oh my God, can you Yelp the FBI? This is going to be a half. Please let it be a half. Four and a half star. Is it really? That's got to be a joke. I was actually just joking. Can you read the reviews? Go to the bottom. Tell me this is a joke. This has to be a joke, right? My family and I were given a tour. Oh, it's a tour thing. Experience. Okay, go down. Is it actually FBI? Some of the FBI needs to go. Racial should be the first. I had no clue. The F- By the way, if you have bad experience with the FBI, go write a Yelp review this on FBI. This can't be real. So he th- funny. He said no get rid way. of the That's boss a- and give him three stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no chance this is real. Go little lord. This is actually comical now. I oh couldn't even God. believe Five it. Five stars. So, goes so, so I have a confession. My dream job even now is to work for the FBI as a field agent. It seems so exciting, fun, interesting, saving the world and fighting crime. This is what 2016, what a lot has changed since then, Miss Maggie C. <laughs> so go little lord, Jerry Lee. Okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, uh, so is this one walking past the back end building? I turned to my husband and said, "I bet this is the FBI headquarters. I feel like I'm an episode of the X Files." Lo and behold, lo and behold, when we reached uh, the front, it was. I wish we could have gone inside, but it looked like a closed. Look closed. closed. Not sure if it was a secret thing. Perhaps it was even open. Like Wally World from uh, National Lampoon. So, so <laughs> I'd love to see what Trump uh, left as a review of the FBI. <laughs> this place is corrupt. You're stupid. I would Hear never that. come here again. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna Durham report. Let, let's do the Durham report before, you know, I got a couple other final questions here before we wrap up. So the, the Durham report, one of you guys, let me read this one. This is an article from um, uh, May 16th, page 4. So whistleblower detail distorted and twisted FBI weaponization claims right at the top. Uh, FBI Special Agent Garrett Boyle, a whistleblower, revealed the retaliation he faced after ter- testifying to Congress. I won't hold my breath there. Uh, whistleblower Jonathan, he stated, I won't hold my breath there because I'm sure they are going to ramp up the pressure to try to get rid of me even more now. Uh, O'Boyle described a two-tiered system within the FBI, starting at the headquarters level, within which we have talked about that as well. But it follows up with the story. Where is this one here? Whistleblower. Is that the video that says FBI whistleblower Steve Friend explains how the FBI evolved into an intelligence agency after 9-11? We talked about that as well. The the, the Durham report, when it came out, it was just kind of like, hey, yeah, cool, moved on. Nobody really did anything with it. How, How much was in there for someone who actually wants to do investigative journalism to go deeper to this, to hold some people accountable, because there's a part of America that thinks, you know, there are people in jail today that sold weed 20 years ago that they're still doing time. There's people in jail today that did a crime much smaller than what some of these folks are doing at the top with the different families, Biden's, you know, Clinton's. You hear these types of stories like, how are these guys getting away with it? There was a moment where it's like, is someone going to be held accountable? So when you guys, being former FBI agents, when you read the Durham report, did you go and say to other agents inside and say, listen, guys, did you guys read this report? What do you think about this? Did you see what was said? What do you, and then if you did, what was the reaction from your peers? Was it like, no, it's not a big deal. What are you talking about? We can't even bring that up. Yes, did you bring it up too? If you did, what was the reaction of your peers? So I was out of the FBI already after the Durham report came out, but as that investigation was going on, uh, James Comey mentioned how, how, or Chris Ray, I forget, one of the clips we watched, where um, they implemented years ago fixes for these things. Okay, well, if, if people of integrity and character were running the investigations, those procedures would have never had to be fixed anyways because they wouldn't have been broken for one. But in my circles while I was in the FBI, everybody had the opinion that the Russian hoax was exactly that, a hoax. We knew it already before the Durham report came out. And now that that report is out, I think it's very damning of the FBI. But like you said, it's it's just you know washed over in the media. Nobody really cares. Nobody's paying attention unless they're digging on their own. And I think that's also problematic about the DOJ and the FBI as a whole. James Comey himself refused to be interviewed during the Durham investigation. Why? Why? You were the director of the FBI at the time, but you're not going to interview for that? And then he acts like, oh, not, you know, not a big deal. We already knew all this. It's that hubris that's especially at the top, but that hubris, people of that character are attracted to the FBI for whatever reason. And 
it has infected the agency. Yeah, I, th- I didn't. I mean, I was already gone when the Durham report came out, and I unfortunately my my FBI contacts are Garrett and, and the other whistleblowers at this point, the guys I spend the majority of my my conversations with, and so we have our opinions on it. But I do know from from experience that a lot of agents are just that's above my pay grade. Um, I'm not even aware of it. Helpless. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even when we were in the hearing, uh, we we had it uh, from multiple people say. People didn't even know you were testifying in front of Congress that day in the office. They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Willful, willfully ignorant. Willful ignorance. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. How can that be done? Well, it's, it's- we see that at the top, too. So last week, um, Jill Murphy, another assistant director, was testifying before I forget which committee. Yeah. And she straight up says, Eli Crane, uh, I forget where he's from, but his, his questioning of her is, is particularly um, poignant, I think. And there were some other ones who asked her some questions. She's never read the Twitter files. She's never read the Durham report. Uh, she's not giving answers. Based on the her own program that she's in charge of, she's not able to provide answers. And she's in charge of it. And it's like of in, uh, counterintelligence, I, I believe, is what she's an AD in. And it's like that, that also that willful ignorance or maybe it's even coerced ignorance to not pay attention to the things that are going on in this nation. When I got hired by the FBI, I thought, it was going to be a national effort where you're paying attention to the things happening. You're you're doing your best to do what's right, no matter what. But it's simply not the case because people are they're they're, they're too comfortable. I think as a nation, we've gotten too comfortable. It's that whole cycle of you know hard times create yeah. hard men, and I think we're at a in a place where before too long we're going to be on really hard times. Are there are there more whistleblowers, you know, other guys who are on the inside that reach out to you and and are saying, hey man, I want to come out, but I'm afraid, you know, I got a wife and kids to take care of. I got to figure out a way to have a little bit more savings before I do this, and I don't know what job I'm going to do after this. There's no way anybody's going to hire me. Are, are those types of conversations being had right now? Yes. 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 And and a lot of people are actually on the inside giving us information that we're able to come out with. So. Like yesterday, I was able to come out with the fact that they gave all FBI employees three paid hours per week for wellness. Now, you combine that with the three paid hours per week for physical fitness. For wellness? Well, mental wellness and, and physical and like taking know, a break and meta, just being metaphysical in the woods. things. Yes. Yeah. You could do yoga and color and, and whatever. But you, you combine that with three hours for physical fitness, paid lunch. Uh, FBI agents are supposed to work 50 hours a week, most work 40. Um, so now you're talking 11 hours out of 40 per week that they are paid to not do their job. Yep. 27.5% of the time of an FBI agent to not investigate. Why would somebody leave that job then? Correct. Right. Okay. So you're saying so you're saying what you're doing right now is you are the chief recruiting officer for FBI. <laughs> <laughs> they just got 17,000 applications right Pat, now. I'm, I'm going to the yeah, FBI. So, hey, listen, like, I, I heard you guys are paying well and you don't expect me to work. That's awesome. I'm in, right? Yeah. Like I want the, that job. Like when, it comes to, when it comes to FBI salary, what's a starting mid top level expectation of what uh, and salary and benefits of what you receive being an FBI agent. So you, it's the GS pay scale. You start as a, a 10 one, um, but you also get availability pay, which is a 25% bump in pay. So uh, talk numbers. Though, so it's know. about uh, 70. As now? A, yeah. As a 10 one. Yeah. That's, that looks about right. And then you, so you're at about 78 grand, right? That's start, where you start, start. Yeah. And then okay. after five years, you get promoted to GS 13 step one. And so you get the law enforcement availability pay, which is 25% bump. This is agent salary. We're mm-hmm. It's different for the other positions. but um, And then depending on where you live, you get locality pay. So one of the smears they put out against us is, oh, well, they're paid hacks from Cash Patel. Okay, you go ahead and say that. That He paid us money right before Christmas from his foundation mm-hmm. um, because we had been suspended without pay already. And our whistleblower activities had already happened. The retaliation had already happened. Where I was headed to Virginia, I was going to be making about $132,000 a year because uh, I would have hit my GS-13 uh, coming up here in like another month or so. And um, why would you give that up? And the sal- the benefits, the salary, the job, it is one of those reviews on Yelp. Oh, it looks like such a cool job. Yeah, it was. It was, gr- it was a great job. Steve and I were both SWAT guys, uh, which added an extra element of, of you know, service and, but also like, 
a, a more fun aspect instead of sitting in the, the office all the time. Like instead of being days. a nerd like Steve yeah. Tucker. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> you get the cool guy factor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and so, you know, and the, the new unit I was heading to, I was really excited about uh, what what I was going to be doing there. And but so yeah, for people to say, oh, they're just grifters and paid hacks and all this, like not further from the truth. And um, but yeah, I, I, I've told my wife just because all of this. You know, we were we were probably getting to a point where we were uh, the callus was forming over a lot of what has happened, and and now in a very public way, it's um, it's all back. You know, and I'm talking about it every day, which is is fine. I hope that is part of the healing process for me. But um, this journey has not been easy, and if I could pick, snap my fingers, yeah, I would be making my $130,000 salary and I'd be more or less an anonymous FBI agent. I don't think I really look like an FBI agent, so I'd blend in well and um, we were comfortable, you know, but... Um, now everybody knows that face, that beard, that hair, yeah. the whole <laughs> cover of GQ um, out here. But getting outside your comfort zone is, is also a, a good thing. And I never thought my belief in that would lead me to something like this, but... Um, as, as strange it is, as it is to say and probably to hear, I'm grateful uh, that, you know, the Lord has put this opportunity in front of me because I can only go forward and, and, and hopefully glorify him in the process. That's awesome. I will say that you do have the Adam Sandler Zohan look, though. I, mean, I don't know if you know that look. That's a legit look. I, yeah. like it. I can't get it out of my head right now. That's all I'm thinking about with the hair doing all this we stuff. We got a few good do. men and we got the Zohan. Yeah. So if you want to just show the picture, I mean, there is an element of a little bit of Zohan stuff going on there. It's a good looking guy. Okay. So a uh, uh, couple things here. ESG DEI. Has the FBI been bullied by the ESGDI stuff or not yet? Are they sitting there saying, hey, we need to make sure the people we're hiring, a third of them are from an underrepresented community, whether they're part of the LGBTQ, disabled, black, you know, I was hoping they'd have American. Middle Eastern in there. They don't yeah. have it, but Native American, some things like that. Is there anything like that happening within the FBI? It's rampant. rampant. Yeah. Is it really? Full-fledged. Yeah. I know you said about the pride flag that was in there, but what do you mean full-fledged? Unpack that for us. Uh, intern in my office, uh, she came in one day and was a he with blue hair and we all just had to move on. And this is somebody who needed a security clearance to work in the facility. She needed a security clearance to go from a she to a he. No, just to work in the FBI facility. That's why I can't, okay. I couldn't be an FBI agent anymore. Mm -hmm. They suspended my security clearance for looking at the employee handbook improperly. And <laughs> this being came in yeah. and and obviously had some some mental issues yeah and uh, that was something that we had to accept and just move on from the trans woman you're saying yes and now so you, is that a gun in your pocket or are you just oh, okay sorry you're an fbi <laughs> yeah, the, my bad the, the academy now has issues where there are females that are claiming that they're male but they still want to use the female standards for the physical fitness test so they're having to deal with that speed bump um how about from the top? I mean, that stuff I can see happening because it's a little, you know, weird today. The market is a little weird today. How about from the top? Are you guys hearing stuff from the top? You know, the headquarters, Ray, people from the top saying, here's what we need to do moving forward when it comes down to recruiting, guidelines, et cetera, et cetera. Is that happening? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a full initiative that we need to do, diversity hiring. They've reduced the uh, standards for, for some matters of hiring because they wanted to increase their pool of minority applicants. And then, and, and if you just want to go on a strict gender basis, FBI is majority male. It's yeah. law enforcement. However, they want equal representation amongst the management class to be male and female. So there's an, a disproportionate amount of female representation within the leadership structure because it just isn't, there aren't a lot of females that join the FBI to begin with. So a lot of those females are elevated very quickly because they have to fill those slots 50-50 or close to 50-50. How much of this has trickled down from the stories that used to come down from J. Edgar Hoover? Everything, you know, the stories that this is the FBI building. Cross-dressing, high heels. We don't talk about that. <laughs> oh, now this is the one thing you can't talk about, really. It's strict third boating. It's, wow. Uh, no, really? Hands off. You're joking? Or you're, you're, yeah. I'm assuming you're Just joking, right? Mo yeah. Most people okay. don't. Most people in the FBI don't know the history of the FBI. Yeah. Come How's on. that possible? It's, it's, a, it's, now. it's a government. Stop. It's a government agency that you might as well be working for HUD. Yeah. For most people, it is a government yeah. job. Based on our conversation What does that mean? Here, you don't know the history of the uh, FBI? They, they don't know about Hoover or COINTEL Pro. They work or, in the J. Edgar Hoover building. It's, it's, you guys know more about the FBI than most FBI employees. Guaranteed. Correct. How is that possible? Willful it, ignorance again. Willful ignorance. And, and I think a lot of people that join, I mean, look, at 
full disclosure, I saw a Point Break and looking that looked like an awesome job. Keanu Reeves, I, yeah, yeah. an FBI agent. But I Patrick also Swayze, I saw him. I saw Incredible the movies. I wanted to be Fox Mulder. Yeah. Wow. See but, that? So that was the inspiration. Yeah, there's J. Edgar Hoover. But I think a lot of people, it's it's a very high paying job with a lot of esteem attached to it. Yeah. And there's a great opportunity to be underworked and overpaid. You don't, if you're even as an agent, you only have to do one investigative activity per case every 90 days. That's very unfortunate that they don't teach the history of the FBI to, you know, it's, it's like what we see running rampant with kids. They don't teach everything about the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, everything that how government works. You see these man on the street interviews. Can you name the three branches of the government? They're like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, well, well let, me, let me ask this question. I'm about to pose this. And by the way, if you can put this, I'm going to put it on Twitter as well, Rob. If you can ask this question and comment below, just anybody that's watching a pod, po post this below. What would you like to see the FBI actually investigate? Like here's... What I would like to see the FBI investigate, and I'm wondering if any of that even came up or talked about, uh, how much, uh, uh, how actively are they investigating uh, the list of names from Epstein? How much are they investigating what happened with Epstein? You know, Jelaine right now, story came out yesterday, she's worried because she told on a couple of the people that are within the jail she's worried for her life. Who knows if she's saying that or somebody else saying it on her behalf because this week is the week where she's going to be meeting the St. Peter to decide whether she's going to hell or heaven. Who knows what's going to happen to her this week. There's a lot of people in that world that can predict someone's lifespan. It's actually very good technology they have. Um, how, how much of the investigation into Epstein is currently happening or when you guys were in there, that was a guy that they were looking into? I don't have any personal knowledge of that, but I would bet not a whole lot. And... You guys probably know this, but uh, who was the prosecutor assigned to Jelaine's case? James Comey's daughter. Uh, wow. in, in law enforcement, um, I learned quick, quickly that there's not... Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. There's, there's not very... Hold this up real quick. <laughs> there's not very much uh, coincidence. Uh, I'm at a point, especially combined with my faith, I, I don't believe in coincidence at all. I think it's all, it's all happening for a reason. And the FBI and... Eps I mean, why is that story not front and center until we find out about every single person on that list? Yeah. But we don't ever hear about it. Nope. Yep. And mind you, they took see, they took you off of that type of investigation. Like you were wow. investigating those type of cases, right? And they're like, no, no, go after somebody that was on a bus that wore a MAGA hat. Check this like, out. The assistant U.S. attorney, Maureen Comey, is one of the lead prosecutors in the case against Miss Maxwell and had been due to try Epstein prior to his death in 2019. The daughter of the former FBI, James Comey, is the head of the SDNY violent and organized crime unit and has been with the office since 2014. Mm. And by the way, isn't the Comey's very good friends with the Clintons? You think so? No, no, I'm, oh. I'm curious. From um, I know he was wearing the, the, the Clinton gear in 2016. Mm. He was taking pictures. I don't know if he's got a relationship. Oh, yeah, and he, remember, he him with the, with the, who was it? Who was the attorney general? Loretta Lynch. Mm -hmm. they, they, they took the charge from gross negligence to extreme <laughs> carelessness, <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Bro, yeah, exactly. Well, dude, I, I agree with you 100%, bro. It's like I, I, I believe in, in, in God, and I think God, you know, chose you to be this person. But these people, bro, they're so intertwined, and it's so into like that's why my question earlier. I'm like, is, is it gonna change? I think it would take an act of God because these people are so. Let's stay on this in though. There. Let's stay on this. I actually want to know this a little bit more, uh, Rob. If you can pull up this shirt for some people that want to buy this shirt, we want to make sure we give a shout out to the folks that want to buy this shirt. Uh, that James Comey was wearing with the great marketers. And we have to, as capitalists, if there's great shirts, we want to help contribute towards people buying these <laughs> shirts. So, this is James Comey's Instagram account Elect in 20, women. I don't know what the exact timeline was. This is on Instagram. Uh, when he posted this, the exact date uh, is, is it 2018 or something like that? He posted this, elect more women. I think that was a Hillary Clinton August shirt. August so. of 2020. There you go. So that's that shirt. But going, going back to Epstein, that is something people want to know. Yeah. That is something people want to know. People want to know what, what's going on there. What's, who's behind it? So maybe let me ask the question a different way. So you guys were both FBI agents. If the FBI actually wanted to investigate and look into what happened with Epstein. Ask former agents, how would you go about doing that to get the intel, to find out exactly who was on the list, who did what? Do we have enough information? Do we have enough access to stuff where we could get that kind of stuff? 
Who would you talk to? Would you go to Jelaine? What would be the procedures to learn more about what's going on with the Epstein? I think from what we do know, I mean, there's enough uh, reasonable suspicion and probable cause on many people on that list where you you can you can open a, a at a minimum a preliminary investigation, which o- opens up some of the FBI's capabilities in investigating people. And I think very rapidly you would be able to open most of those into a full investigation. And then, the, so the FBI is very powerful. They There are some wizards in the FBI when it comes to technology or investigating or just digging into uh, a case to get as close to the truth as they can. And the, the way the Epstein case has been treated and essentially brushed under the rug uh, should be alarming to everyone because that should be as big of a case in the public sphere as any case that has been in the last 10 years at least because of the type of people on that list and the type of bizarre things that have happened along the way. Yeah. But give me steps. Like for what I'm looking for is the following. So for example, I come and I say, listen guys, here's what's going on. I've had a person living in this house that I own for the last three years that paid rent for two years. The last 12 months have not paid rent. I'm trying to ask him to leave. They're saying they don't have to leave. Every time I go to the door, they don't even open the door. They're doing this. They're doing that. The house is trash. As a lawyer, what are my next steps on what to do? You would say, step number one, we have to apply for this. Step number two is we have to send this letter. We have to document this. You need to show this. Do you have that? Do we have to take pictures? We have to send this to this person. Within Once we get this back from the city, I want to know steps. So if right now, say Chris Ray changes, and it's a new guy comes in, okay, and you are now replacement for Chris Ray, minus the $9.2 million income that you made this year. You didn't make that money. But you become the new Chris Ray, okay? And one of your top things you want to find out about is parents in America have concerns with pedophilia, okay? Child porn, all of that, which, by the way, I think at one point I read an article in 2016, FBI was the biggest distributor of, uh, you know, whatever access to child porn that they had. There was some uh, article that was written about that. Uh, uh, Rob, if you want to look for this. But say you have two things on your list. One is child porn, getting to the bottom of who's doing that, okay? And then the other one is Epstein. How would you go about doing it if you are now Chris Ray today? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that they're, they have to avoid the temptation that they had with um, the Trump investigation where they, they look to headquarters and start a task force there for people who haven't investigated crime for a very long time. I would get somebody like Garrett, who has no connection there, to do the work that he's been doing his whole career. From the outside, not from the inside. Well, uh, no, from the inside. Inside. There agent. are investigators okay. who have experience. Yeah. So, and there's some, some great investigators who know that's all they've done for decades. Yeah. So I think staffing is, is number one. You, you can't just say, well, this guy, you know, he's in charge of this division, so he must know what to do. That's, that's not how it works. It has to be the, the guy who you don't know his name because he spent his entire career arresting bad guys. Uh, Legit, actually, functionally, what you would have to do is you'd, you'd have to either consider reopening the Epstein investigation or starting anew. Um, if it was my case, I'd be probably arranging for uh, some sort of a proffer with Maxwell, where she'd be queen for a day and and reveal you know what she could to me, and then and and then go off of there and, and, and start knocking on doors for the the individual she names because those are people that are in positions of power and influence. They have a lot to lose. They will want to cooperate fully in it with their own proffers if they can, and, and you're just really going to have to, at the end of it, pick your pick your snitch. What would you do? Similar like that. I mean, I guess if it was handed to me and said, "All right, you're, you're the guy. Your turn. Take over." Uh, first would be a wide sweeping search of the FBI system on everything related to Epstein, and this is how I always worked my cases, anyways. I would get all the background information or as much as possible that already existed in the FBI system. And, you know, shockingly enough, there's a lot in the various type of systems that the FBI has. And with a case like that, I mean, there's so many people involved. So I would start, I'm certain the FBI has some information. Then I'm going to start going for each name, each name that's in the case, in the case file, no matter how thinly associated to it. I'm going to dive into each one of those to find out more what the FBI already knows. And then once I have as much knowledge as I can about what has already been investigated, I'll go forward from there. And I would imagine there's enough information to investigate more people involved, uh, the prison where Epstein 
committed suicide and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever else. And, uh, and then we have the overseas connections and uh, the money, too. That's a big one. Follow the money. It's always money. Money, 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 money. And Epstein is a money guy. I don't, um, most of what I know of the Epstein case came from um, Martyr Made podcast. He, had, he has done a really good long-form series on Epstein. Three parts. If people are interested in this case, listen to those. Um, it's, like I said, there's no coincidence in law enforcement. The, the Epstein case is a primary example of that, uh, going back historically um, to who he was, how he got started, his connections with the Clintons, uh, going forward to his death. And so there's a, it's a big, um, there's a lot of meat on the bone with, with that one. And so only knowing... Okay, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Only knowing? Only knowing uh, what we know in yep. the public sphere, uh, I mean, that's that's one layer. And so there, there's a lot more beneath that. that and do you have know. access to enough intel, data, contacts, relationships that you could actually get to the bottom of what happened with Epstein? If I had access to FBI systems? If you are the director of FBI, and one of your top three issues was, I really want to find out what the hell happened with Epstein. Do you have enough access to find out exactly yeah. what happened and come out with the intel on that? Maybe not exactly what happened, but pretty, Mo pretty dang close. And how long would it take you to be able to give that report to the American people? A case like that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on how many people get brought in. And I mean, and then also you're getting with finances. You, you have to do subpoena bank records, and there's a, a, a lapse in time there. I think you could probably do a pretty good job in a year. Pretty good job in a year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So within a, within a year, you could get that intel to us. Especially yeah. if you had, you know, I don't know, five five really staunch case agents mm -hmm. and an and intel analyst or two, and that's all you worked on. This is the this is why he could never be a manager because he wants to investigate perhaps the biggest most important case in the country and says I could do it with five people. If I had five a manager would want five hundred. Yeah, that's true. So so okay, let me ask another question. So you guys are, are, are on the inside. You're seeing what's going on. What do you think the FBI should be investigating today? Like, if they were to truly do their job of what their job is for, that we as taxpayers pay them to do, what do you think are the top three things the FBI should be investigating today? Top three. Um, I think fentanyl coming across the border. I know we have the DEA, but FBI, that's a big part of what the FBI does because okay. cartels and whatnot. I think that's a big one because it actually impacts the American people everywhere. Um, Let's see what else. Um, election interference, actual investigating it. The FBI, it's what one of our purview is, but I, I've not really seen much actual investigation in it. Instead, the FBI is interfering with elections themselves, so that's a problem. And then third, probably probably like gang violence and, and that type of thing because that has only exploded more since covid Really, gang violence has exploded. It's, or it's, it's gone up. Okay, so three. Are you on the same uh, uh, top three as well as him? Uh, I mean, I, I would put child pornography. Oh, there. Wow. Yeah. Because it's it's you could assign every agent to child pornography all the time. Let me fix my list. I got to add that in because that it's he's that right. rampant. Yeah. is what you're saying. Can yes. you unpack that? Like for some of us, we're not in your world. We don't know how bad it is. All we do is we either read about it or we don't read about it. That's the one, right? Yep. Uh, 26, the FBI ran website sharing thousands of child porn images. This is from USA Today. This is the one I was talking about, 2016. Okay, so the operations whose detail remained largely secret was at least the third time in recent years that FBI agents took control of a child pornography site but left it online in an attempt to catch users who officials said would otherwise remain hidden behind an encrypted and anonymous computer network. In each case, the FBI infected the site with software that punctured that security allowing agents to identify hundreds of users. The Justice Department acknowledged in court filings that the FBI operated the site known as Playpen, February 20th, March 4, 2015. At the time, the site had more than 215,000 registered users. Wow. It included links to more than 23,000 sexual explicit images and video of children, including more than 9,000 files that users used to download directly from the FBI. Some of the images described in court filings involved children barely old enough for what? Yeah. 
kindergarten. The approach is a significant departure from the government's past tactics for battling online child porn, which is uh, uh, instructed that they should not allow images of child being uh, uh, sexually assaulted to become public. The Justice Department has said that children depicted in such images are harmed each time they are viewed, and once those images leave the government's control, agents have no way to prevent them from being copied and recopied to other parts of the Internet. So, okay. This is this irritates and frustrates a lot of different people. All you have to be is be a parent. You got four kids. I don't know how many kids you have. Two kids. Boy, girl. What's the boys? Boys. boys. Okay. I got four kids. Boy, boy, girl, girl. And as a father, you see this one. You're paranoid naturally. The level of paranoia goes up the day you have a kid. But why is there not a deeper investigation into issues like this? I think. And he worked it, so he might be able to talk to it more. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about with the stats. The FBI seizes a site like this, and instead of shutting it down and trying to get into another site, which they can do, this says software, another way it can be done is if you catch someone who created such a site and now you give them a deal or turn them into a CHS and say, give us access, and then the FBI can take it over that way as well. But instead of just shutting it down and moving on to the next one to try and shut down the next one, they leave it open so then they can get more users into the site so then they can slap them with possession of child porn. Instead of digging deeper, this is where you need uh, your good knuckle-dragging investigators who are out there doing the grunt work. Because, okay, yes, have possessing child porn is horrible. It's awful. Yes, arrest those people when you can. But don't allow them to access a site that you're in control of so you can do it. Go find the people who are producing th- that type of child porn and get them. The, the users and possessors of it are going to be able to find it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's like whack-a-mole when it comes to, to possession of it. But allowing, it's t- seizing a site and allowing people to use it, I think, goes to that stat padding and honestly goes to a particular type of evil that the FBI is is participating in. I think there's a cultural component to this that... Um there's not a lot of appetite, even from the public, because it's so egregious and gross, and nobody wants. We just want to think about it. I want you to have your press conference where you put a dozen guns and a big pile of dope on the table and all the money, and say, "Look, the FBI is doing a good job." I, I can live with that as a citizen because you know, good job, cops. But if you start talking about images of six-month-old babies being sodomized, what I've yep. seen, yep, that's not. Your reaction right there, that's not going to be good for my image, even if I'm talking about putting it. And that, and that, that I wouldn't want that job. Like, I don't even want that visual. I didn't want that. In, what image. a freaking job. But it is, it is a necessary, yeah. I'm going to stand in the breach, yeah. and I'm going to do that because it has to be done. And we need to have our lawmakers have the courage to stand up and pass the laws that are necessary to actually punish these guys. And, and look, the, the, the laws for federal um, child pornography creation, it's like 15 years for an image. It's, I mean, it's significant. Uh, who, who? T- show me the lawmaker that is going to say be a nay vote on capital charges for p- possessing or creating child pornography. Who would be though, left or right? There's some judges that were arguing to lower the sentences because it's easier to access it than it used to be. So you should that. be Which a lower is, sentence. Yeah, that should be irrelevant. Yeah. What's the criminal profile of these types of people? Obviously, these are absolute sickos, but yep. is there some uniformity to actually who is watching this child perform? I mean, for, for us, it was it was typically male, almost universally male. I think uh, I talked to some more experienced investigators than me, and they, it was, oh, I had one female. It's, okay. it's that rare. Predominantly male. Predominantly male. Age, gen, uh, age race, it's, anything? It's how- all over. All it's over. All, you know, old, creepy... Chester the molester guy down to 18-year-old kid yep. who's just you know, starts on that path. And and I remember seeing this explanation for it once where he, he I mean, you don't want to be sympathetic to this guy, but he, he explained it honestly. And he said, look, when I was 13 years old, I, I liked the 13-year-old girls. And then I was 15 years old and, and it just froze. They, they, they got older, but I still liked the 13-year-old girls. And then I was 17 years old and then she was 13 years old. And I was 20 years old and she's still 13 years old. He's like, my preference for women never advanced with my age. And so you have these guys who are 18 that are dealing with that and then just all the way up the gambit. And then and it's very common to have the hands-on offenders that are trying to, they, they rationalize in their head, well, I'm not hurting a child. I'm keeping these desires away by watching it, so I, I'm okay. And that's why you see all the, all the time these guys, I, my theory is they have this red in their ledger. 
that they feel so horrible about, which is why they're doing all this community engagement and they're uh, a deacon in the in the church and they're a little league baseball coach. I mean, they, they might be trying to actually find victims, but I think a lot of them just feel so bad about it that they think, I'm going to rack up as many wins as I can so this one blemish will be erased. But universally, they all confess. Uh, I mean, just because it's ones and zeros for, for one part, they, they know they're caught. And then a lot of them just are honest and they don't have a criminal, <laughs> criminal background beyond that. That's it. But it's every it's they're true. Every time an image is is shared, that child is a victim mm-hmm. again and again. It's always horrible. It's a terrible job to have. Someone's got to do it. You know, uh, it's like the job where in the military you have to go tell the family your son has yes. died. Nobody wants that job. It's the worst job, Horrible. and it has to be the right DNA wiring of a person with a gentle voice that comes in that's understanding. Imagine every day. Today I have to do it to four people. Today I have to do it to three people. Today I have to do Nobody wants a job. Someone's got to do it. Um, gentlemen, uh, first of all, I uh, applaud you guys for what you're doing. It is not easy to be where you're at. Uh, I don't think I speak for myself alone. I think there's a lot of other people that don't trust what the FBI is up to, uh, that they're wondering, we don't mind having an FBI if you actually do your job to protect us and get the bad guy, which is kind of what we think your job is. And if you do that, we're okay with that. We don't mind funding it. And you're seeing nowadays where a DeSantis is talking about child rape is a uh, uh, w- w- uh, death penalty, and that's actually creating momentum. It's like, wait, actually, yeah, that kind of does make sense. Why wouldn't you want something like that to somebody who's doing this? And that's a topic of discussion for 2024 presidential election where they're talking about these types of things. Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Monday allowing for the death penalty for child rapists, setting up a potential Supreme Court challenge. The bill, which will become law October 1st, makes sexual battery of a person under 12A capital crime. Can you show the one with Newsom what he signed? I just sent you the link on this one. A new California law protecting pedophilia is vile. Uh, this is a couple years ago. A couple weeks ago, Governor Newsom signed a law that would allow judges to decide whether or not to list someone as a sex offender for having oral or anal with a minor. This bill has been appalled, has appalled many as it should, and yet some have failed to realize that it is simply meant to expand the discretion that was already granted to judges in the past. You see stuff like this, and it's it's so extreme that you're like, yeah, this is not real. This is this has got to be fake. Now you can go Google this for yourself and do your own research as we're going through this stuff. But, uh, uh, folks, if you watch this with these two uh, uh, brave men, Garrett O'Boyle as well as Steve Friend, who came out to share their ideas and thoughts in more of a long form where they can speak freely, uh, I recommend you you give this video Share it with others and ask them, what are your thoughts on this? Give it a sub, give it a thumbs up, and at the same time, go to Steve's Substack. I think, Steve, you have a Substack. Or no, Garrett Garrett has a Substack. That's called lastline.substack.com. That is his Substack. Let's put the link below for that. And then, Steve, you have a book that's coming out, I believe, June 13th, True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. That is coming out here uh, June 13th in the next uh, uh, shy of two weeks. Place the order. Support these gentlemen as they're going through this phase right now. Uh, and once again, uh, uh, fellas, thank you for your work. Thank you for the sacrifice. And I got a lot of respect for you guys for doing what you're doing. We need more folks like you, and I'm sure more people going to be uh, uh, from your background are going to be giving you guys more intel as you're sharing that with the rest of us. We can kind of see that this is becoming normal for them to be held accountable because I I think especially an institution that we pay their salaries, they need to be held accountable. You and I are paying for them. Once again, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye, bye-bye.